Hillary Clinton constantly whines that people believe conspiracy theories about her. There's a reason for that. Many of the conspiracy theories about her have sort of turned out to be true. The most obvious, Hillary used her position at the State Department to sell favors to foreign nations to help out the Clinton Foundation, her enormous, gigantic slush fund. Here's a list of countries and figures who have benefited thanks to Hillary Clinton's dramatic corruption. Gilbert Chiguri. According to the New York Post, Hillary Clinton's aides, including Huma Abedin and Cheryl Mills, traded their access on behalf of Hillary in exchange for donations to the Clinton Foundation. In one particular case, Gilbert Chiguri, a billion-dollar donor to the Clinton Foundation, he's like a Nigerian prince type, received access to Hillary via Doug Band, who was leading the Clinton Foundation at the time. Chiguri is a Lebanese-Nigerian businessman. He had to pay a $66 million fine for money laundering, so he fits right into the Clintonian circle. How about the Russians? Hillary essentially allowed the State Department to sign off on the Russian Atomic Energy Agency, Rosatom, taking over a Canadian, Canadian uranium company with rights to remove uranium from American soil. The Russians, according to the New York Times, ended up with one-fifth of all uranium production capacity in the United States. In exchange, the Clinton Foundation received $2.35 million in donations from the chairman of the Canadian company. Bill Clinton got five hundred grand for a speech in Moscow. Or how about the Saudis? According to the IB Times, the State Department signed off on a delivery of $29 billion of fighter jet technology to the Saudis. They reported, quote, in the years before Hillary Clinton became Secretary of State, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia contributed at least $10 million to the Clinton Foundation. Furthermore, the contractor making the planes, Boeing, gave almost a million dollars to the Clinton Foundation just about two months before the deal went through. How about the Chinese? Going all the way back to the Clinton's first White House rock and roll tour, Chinese citizens funneled cash into the Democratic coffers, and so did the CEO of a missile technology company. In return, the Clintons worked to declassify missile technology secrets, which were then used by the Chinese. How about Sidney Blumenthal? Clinton hatchet man Sidney Blumenthal. He was working as an unofficial Hillary advisor, as well as an employee for that Clinton Foundation, when he was sending her Libya intelligence that, according to the New York Times, appeared to have come from a group of business associates he was advising as they sought to win contracts from the Libyan transitional government. The venture was ultimately unsuccessful, but it's another brick in the Clintonian wall of corruption. How about a guy named Claudio Osorio? Osorio was a Miami businessman. He served 12 years in prison on corruption charges. He helped use the Clintons to obtain a $10 million loan for a housing project in Haiti after the earthquake. Hillary was ready to use the State Department to push for the loan, too. The company... They never built the homes. They defaulted on the loan. According to an investigator, the company directed $30 million to foreign bank accounts, and the money was not retrievable, according to the Washington Free Beacon. Osorio fundraised for Hillary in 2007, donated tens of thousands of dollars to the Clinton Foundation. That's just some of the stuff that we've gone through. Bill tried to convince Hillary to allow him to give a $650,000 speech in Congo, which is a dictatorship, and it would have included a photo op with the dictators. Bill wanted to take money to speak in North Korea. The list of individuals with corrupt ties to the Clintons is extraordinarily long. Yes, Hillary Clinton is the most corrupt woman ever to run for high office. She's the most corrupt person ever to run for high office. She would sell America's national security down the river. She already has given that she chose to set up a private email server in violation of law in order to protect her from scrutiny. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. tend to demonize people who don't care about your feelings. Ah, so much to get to today here on The Ben Shapiro Show, and we welcome you to the number one conservative podcast in the United States of America. But first, we have to welcome an advertiser, a brand new advertiser, ClubW.com. So this is for folks who love wine or want to buy wine for friends. So they don't have kosher wines. What we did, so I could try out the product, is it's, it's this really cool website. What you do is you go to ClubW.com, and they give you what's basically a questionnaire. I took it. It's really neat. And they ask you sort of, what foods do you like? Like, I don't know anything about wine. You know, if somebody asked me to buy a bottle of wine... I wouldn't know what to buy. I'd just go down to the local store and I'd pick up just some cheap hooch. I wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> but Club W helps you with this because what they actually do is they give you a quiz. And it's not what kind of wine do you like. It's like, do you like spicy food? Do you prefer steak to chicken? And what, what kind of food do you like to eat? And then they match your palate to the wine that they recommend that you pick up. It's really fantastic. And they send over great wines. We, we had the, the ability, thank, thank goodness, to have a party for our employees because that's just what I need is drunken employees. But they shipped us a bunch of wine. Yeah, you can hear. 
here. Everybody's excited about ClubW.com. Now, all of our employees got to taste some of the wines. And according to the employees, I have their testimonials right here. They say that the Malbec was silky. I can't believe it's not buttery. They say the Cabernet Sauvignon was juicy, sharp, berry, and dry. And they say the Chardonnay was dry, light on the palate, zesty, and grippy. Apparently, they were getting so wild that, that apparently the, the, head of the, the managing editor of the Daily Wire was taking his shoe to open the, to open the <laughs> wine bottle. Apparently, it worked. So ClubW.com is where all the fun is. They will help you inform yourself as to what kind of wine you should get for your friends. And they are cheap. They, they, the, the wine there is not pricey. We're not talking about $200 bottle of wines. Right now, they're offering listeners 20 bucks off your first order. If you go to ClubW.com slash Ben, use the slash Ben. It reminds them that you're coming via this show, and that helps us. They continue to advertise with us. And that makes sure that all the illegal immigrant boozers in the back here get paid. It gets even better. I know that you hate paying for shipping. So Club W pays for your shipping on orders of four bottles or more. And you want to order more, order more than one bottle. The wine apparently is very good. So you go to clubw.com slash Ben. 20 bucks off your first order now. That's clubw.com slash Ben. Okay. So lots to get to today, of course. Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton will do some good Trump, bad Trump. We do have some – I should note that there is one young man who was very uh, – he, he had the intrepid nature, and he went out and he, he actually recorded a little stinger for good Trump, bad Trump. That's not going to be on today's show, but you can look forward to that on Monday. We're very grateful to the people who have done that. Somebody cut like an actual intro for the show that we're looking at right now. So we, we appreciate our fans, and thank you for doing all of that. And thank you for saving work for our, for our overworked minions uh, in the back. All right, so – Let's start with, with Hillary Clinton. So Hillary Clinton continues to be terrible at everything. The good news for Hillary is that all she basically has to do is go comatose for the next three months, go down into her coffin in the bottom of her Transylvanian castle, lie down there, stay there for three months, and she'll be president. That's, that's basically her strategy at this point. She's just going to go into her vampiric basement, never appear in daylight. She'll live. She'll be president of the United States. That doesn't mean she's not corrupt. Jake Tapper of CNN, who's a Hillary ally. I mean, Jake definitely likes Hillary Clinton. He says that Hillary continues to lie about her emails and about everything else. And Jackie, I mean, this does feed into the narrative out there that the Clintons in general don't think that the rules apply to them uh, and can't understand why anybody would ever question their ethics or their integrity. This was exactly what the Obama transition team in 2008 wanted to avoid. They wanted a clear delineation between the foundation and the State Department. And that, of course, is exactly true. The, the Hillary campaign continues to avoid all questions about the emails and her corruption, all the sorts of corruption issues that we just touched on. They've been avoiding that like the plague. Donald Trump has the capacity to bring that to the forefront. He did this a little bit yesterday. Here was Donald Trump going after Hillary Clinton's 30, 33,000 deleted emails. Fairly vast number. Oh, I want to see the ones that what I really would like to see, that we have to see the 33,000. Can you imagine? Remember, she said, I think it was for her wedding, the wedding of Chelsea, and it was for yoga classes, 33,000 emails. It's a lot of yoga. It's a lot of yoga. <laughs> so that's, that, yeah, that's good stuff, and, and that's, that's good Trump. I mean, I'm glad that, that Trump was saying that. Unfortunately, there were more pressing things in the news that the media were all over. Um, for example, there was a guy climbing Trump Tower using suction cups. So I don't know what happened here. I have a few theories. I think that maybe Chris Christie just said to Trump, I really, really want to be part of your administration. And Trump said, OK, Fatso, go climb the tower. And the next thing you know, it looks like this. We, you may have read on Facebook or elsewhere that there is some guy climbing Trump Tower in Midtown Manhattan right now. Uh, this is, these are live pictures from outside. <laughs> this is some video from just a couple of minutes ago. We have live pictures that we bring in you as well. Trump Tower, of course, is right in the heart of Midtown Manhattan, just below Central Park. <laughs> it's between 56th and 57th Streets, and this is the 56th Street side of the building, so the south side of the building. And he's been using suction cups. Uh, one, one of the locals said he's cupping his way to the top with a reference to Michael Phelps, I suppose. You can see there are workers all around there now. And if you look just to the left of him, in fact, this is steady cam and lights for the wall. Right here next to him, this, this, this is a live view stream, so it goes in and out. But right next to him, you'll, you'll be able to see when the picture clears up that there's a big ventilation system there. Thanks, and the workers Jeff. on the inside, we're told, are trying to get – go back to the video – trying to get the, the – uh, Okay, so the media, the media obviously had very important things to cover yesterday, including this guy. They did reach him for comment, and his only comment was, elevators are for cucks. So that was, that was weird. He, this is actually a video of the guy. He's talking about why he did it. And he looks like a real winner. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a Trump fan, apparently, but he, he looks like, uh, 
He, he looks like a Milo Yiannopoulos listener. So here we go. Hello, Mr. Trump. Do excuse my manner of appearance. <laughs> I just don't know how many people will watch this. And I'd rather not be recognized. Camera's over here, buddy. I'm an independent <laughs> researcher seeking a private audience with you to discuss an important matter. I guarantee that it is in your interest to honor this request. Believe me, if my purpose was not significant, I would not risk my life pursuing it. <laughs> the reason I climbed your tower was to get your attention. If I had sought this via conventional means, I would be much less likely to have success because you are a busy man with many responsibilities. I'll get my contact information to your campaign so that if you are interested, you can respond. That's going to happen, As yeah. As for anyone else who's watching, please help make this video go viral so that it gets to Mr. Trump. And be sure to get out and vote for Mr. Trump in the 2016 election. Making talking not in the direction of the camera great again. I like that he's like looking off at like a 90 degree angle to the camera. He's like, buddy, it's over here. Like, just just talk to us. It'll be all right. So he starts climbing the tower. And of course, the media are all over this this crazy guy climbing the tower. There, there was some political analysis that came out. Nate Silver in the middle of this suggested that there was only about a 13.7% chance he'd actually make it to the top of the tower. The Never Trumpers, we were, we were all saying, like, okay, fine. So he makes it to the top of the tower. He hasn't accomplished anything. And the Trump people, the Trump people were just saying, well, he can fly. So that was, so, it's, the whole thing's ridiculous. This is what our campaign has become. If we can't have fun with the circus, folks, then why bother going to the circus? The circus is too much fun. Okay, so in other circusy news, Donald Trump was, was slamming Hillary Clinton, rightly so, for having sat the father of a terrorist who also believes in the Taliban behind Her Majesty at one of, the, at one of her rallies in Kissimmee, Florida. And then yesterday, there's another rally, and Trump is doing a rally, and he's talking about exactly this issue, and you'll notice something odd in the background. In the past hour, this time it was on the other side of the aisle, though. This was at a Donald Trump rally in Fort Lauderdale, still oh, in no. Florida. The rally actually is still going on right oh, now, but look at this. No. Sitting right behind Donald Trump, spot-shadowed on the stage. We're showing a close-up of him right there. If you recognize him, that is former Congressman Mark Foley from Florida. <laughs> Now, in 2006, 10 years ago, Foley left his seat, his house seat in Florida, after making repeated sexual advances and exchanging uh, or providing, excuse me, sexually charged material uh, uh. to several young teenage pages, <laughs> uh, congressional pages. That led to him resigning in the midst of that scandal. Mm. And tonight, he's on stage in the camera shot at Donald Trump's mm -hmm. rally, right mm -hmm. behind him there. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. well, well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> what can you say? What can you say? It's not as bad as having the father of a terrorist there. It isn't. I mean, he's Mark Foley isn't a terrorist unless he's a terrorist in his pants. He's just a terrorist. Um, he's, he's not a terrorist. Only Hillary has the fathers of terrorists to her events. But when you're trying to make the case that you're responsible for the people who sit behind you at a rally, and then legitimately as you're doing that, the person sitting behind you was nailing the pages in his time in Congress— uh, it's it's just not good strategy. Okay, so all of that is the unserious stuff. Then we get to the actual serious stuff. So now it's time for an early episode of Good Trump, Bad Trump. Yay, everybody loves some Good Trump, Bad Trump. Okay, so let's start with some Good Trump. So people are considering this Bad Trump. I don't think so. I think that this is actually Good Trump. So here is Donald Trump talking about Barack Obama and ISIS. ISIS is honoring President Obama. He is the founder of ISIS. He's the founder of ISIS. Okay. He's the founder. He founded ISIS. And I would say the co-founder would be crooked Hillary Clinton. Okay, so he says that she's the founder of ISIS, that he's the founder of ISIS, and Hillary is the co-founder of ISIS. And the media lose their poo. I mean, they just, they, they lose their minds. They go absolutely nuts. How dare Donald Trump say anything remotely like this? Okay, a couple of quick things. First, on the, on the good Trump side. First, when he says that she founded ISIS, I don't think, and I'm sure that Trump does not actually mean that what, what he's talking about is that she sat in a room and wrote the charter for ISIS and Obama signed it. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about, and everybody understands this, is he's saying that when Barack Obama pulled out of Iraq and did nothing in Syria, he created the climate that, was a, that, that, that allowed ISIS to rise from being pretty much nothing of a power to being a regional power and to being able to conduct terrorist attacks across the West. Right? That's really what he means. But CNN loses their poo about this. Now, what's ironic is that there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of media reports 
from you know a couple of years ago talking about did Bush create ISIS? Like there was a New Yorker headline: Did Bush create ISIS? The Huffington Post asked: Did Bush create ISIS? But Trump says Obama created ISIS, and everybody loses their mind. Everybody goes crazy. So here's CNN. You can't say this, Brian Stelter on CNN. Donald Trump says Barack Obama is the founder of ISIS. Now, on one level, that's a reference to foreign policy decisions by the Obama administration. On another level, that is a coded message suggesting the president of the United States is a traitor. That's what that is. It's a coded message. We shut it. When we repeat that message and then we come on the air and we fact check it, some people just take away the idea that it's true. They just hear it and they believe it. In fact, it reinforces people's beliefs in some cases. Okay. That's no, a so Brian Stelter. The media okay, that- so Brian Stelter's a lefty hack. And and when Brian Stelter says that, you know, that that Clearly, people are going to take away that Obama's an actual terrorist who founded ISIS. No, nobody's stupid like that. Everybody understands what Trump means. In fact, the left understood it when they were blaming Bush for the creation of ISIS. And Donald Trump is exactly right when he says, look, voters are not fooled by the biased media on this sort of stuff. They get it. They do get it. What has surprised you the most to date about the process? How smart the people of this country are. Because they're reading false narratives, they're reading false newspaper articles and seeing false things on television and, I mean, really, really biased reporting. And they don't, and you know, here I am, I'm sitting here in a very close race, what will be and what already is shaping up to be a very close race. So the people are so smart, they get it, they really get it, and they're seeing it more and more, and I think they're going to get, I think they're going to get a great lesson. And. It's not a fair situation. It's a rigged situation. In a certain way, it's rigged by the media, if you think about it. Okay, so he's right. Okay, all of this is true. When he says that, that Obama and Hillary created ISIS, of course that's true. Now, when he says co-founder, it's a, little bit, it's a little bit much. I mean, they didn't found it, but we all know what he means. We all know what he means. And to pretend this is some sort of big deal is absurd. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when Democrats were still putting bumper stickers on their cars that said, Bush lied, Americans died, right, about the war in Iraq, which was absolutely false. I remember that. I remember Barack Obama saying that the American military wasn't doing anything except air raiding villages and killing civilians. So you, you don't get to play this game, okay? This is a bunch of nonsense. So that's good Trump, okay? Trump can say that as long as he can go out there and use this as a leverage point to actually make his real point, right? He says they're co-founders of ISIS, and the media says, no, they're not. Explain yourself. Good. Now he gets to explain himself. What I mean is Barack Obama called them a JV team. He didn't care about them. He pretended they didn't matter. And then he created every condition necessary, every condition precedent in order for them to become an actual regional power, right? That's what he has to say. That's what he has to say. Unfortunately, now it's time for bad Trump. So the problem for Donald Trump is that one of his people told him to go out there and say that they are the co-founders of ISIS, that one is the founder, Obama's the founder, and Hillary Clinton is the co-founder of ISIS. And when asked to clarify this, right, now he's being asked to clarify. And the clarification should be pretty easy, right? The clarification should be everything that I just said. Hugh Hewitt, who is a a syndicated radio host and friends with Hugh, and, and Hugh has been doing yeoman's work trying to train Donald Trump on how to be a politician. It's, it's like somebody tweeted today, and I thought it was very funny. They sort of tweeted that, they tweeted that Hugh Hewitt trying to coach Donald Trump, and you'll hear it in a minute, is sort of like Hugh Hewitt playing Professor Higgins in My Fair Lady and Gary Busey playing Eliza Doolittle. So here is, here, is, here is Hugh Hewitt trying to get Trump to say what he wants him to say, which is what I've been saying, which is, okay, what I really mean by co-founders of ISIS is not that they sat there with a piece of paper and decided that they were fans of ISIS. It's that they created all the conditions for it and watched Trump blow it. The, the Never Trump movement says, I've been writing about how important the Supreme they, Court is. Are they still around? <laughs> well, I've been writing about the Supreme Court a lot, and they keep telling me we can't trust Trump on his list of 11. And I wrote, hey, you don't have to trust Trump if he departs from the list. I trust you, by the way. But if he, de- if he departs, Mitch McConnell can block your nominee. First, can we trust you to live by that list? And second, if you didn't, would McConnell be justified in blocking your nominee? Yeah, number one, I'm going to live by that list or very close to it. It is possible there'll be somebody outside of that list that has very similar principles, and I think you don't want to totally preclude that. But the answer is yes, I'm living by the list, and yes, he can do whatever he wants because it'll be either that list or somebody that is very close to it. In fact, I'm thinking about actually naming four or five more people to the list. Uh, you know, we have a great list. It's a uh, it's a great list of people. Yeah, I mean, if if 
we veered from that. I would say block it, and I would be very happy with that, and I wouldn't even fight it because I won't have to. Last night, you said the president was the founder of ISIS. I know what you meant. You meant that he created the vacuum. He lost the peace. No, I meant he's the founder of ISIS. I do. He's the most valuable player. I give him the most valuable player award. I give her, too, by the way. But he's not sympathetic to them. He hates them. He's trying to kill them. He was the founder. The way he got out of Iraq, was that was the founding of ISIS. Well, you know, I have a saying, Donald Trump, uh, the the mnemonic device I use is every liberal really seems so, so sad. E is for Egypt. L is for Libya. S is for Syria. R is for Russia. Reset. They screwed everything up. You don't get any argument from me, but by using the term founder, they're hitting with you on this again. Mistake? No, it's no mistake. Everyone's liking it. I think they're liking it. I give them the most valuable player award. Uh, and I give it to him, and I give it. I gave a co-founder to Hillary. I don't know if you heard that. No, I did. I did. I played yeah, it. Yeah, you I said just one second ago. I know what you're arguing. You not, let me ask you. Do you not like that? Uh, I don't. I think I would say they created. They, they lost the peace. They created the Libyan vacuum. They created the vacuum into which ISIS came, but they didn't create ISIS. That's what I would say. Well, but let, I, I disagree. All right, that's okay. I mean, with his bad policies, that's okay. That's okay. That's and, why and then he would just about. okay. We stop there. And then he just kind of oh well, well, fine. Okay, I can't. There's no winning here. Okay. All right, fine. I mean, it's, the rain in Spain falls mainly on the plate. I mean, it's just, it's, it's amazing stuff. I mean, really, you got, you got Hugh there saying to him, I'm trying to feed you the right line here, Donald. Just, like, open your ears for one second. Just do it. And Trump's like, no, no. He founded it. He wrote the document. He founded it. And he was like, no, you mean that he created the vacuum for, the, for ISIS to rise? No, no, I mean he founded it. Like, in his basement, he founded it. Him and Hillary, they sat there with Saul Linsky, and they founded it. Let me tell you that. Okay, so the good Trump is he could have just said this stuff and then agreed with Hugh Hewitt, who is much smarter than he is, and just been okay. But no. But no. You just have to, you, he has to go the whole, the, he has to go the big Lebowski, he has to go all the way. He's got to go whole hog. He just can't stop himself. It's like, come on, Donald. For the love of God, get out of your own way. Stop stepping on your own genitals. Like, just stop. Just stop. He was trying to save you. Do you understand? He was your knight in shining armor with those glasses and the hair. He's there. He's trying to save you. Come on. And you just can't take that. You just can't take it. You just can't take the lifeline. Like he's, he's flying by on the helicopter. You're there. You're out there unmoored in the middle of Hurricane Katrina. He's flying by on the helicopter and he's dropping down the rope to you. Just grab it. Just grab it. You don't have to say you're making a mistake. Notice, Hugh doesn't say, are you making a mistake, until about five questions into that cycle, right? First he says, what you really meant is this, right? And Trump goes, no, I didn't mean that. Yes, you did, and you know you did, or maybe you don't. Maybe all that happened is your advisors told you, just say that they're the founders and the co-founders of ISIS, and that's all you know, because you don't think beyond five seconds. Because here's the problem. Trump doesn't actually believe any of this stuff. Here's the proof Trump doesn't actually believe any of this stuff. So Donald Trump, you know, he said that the, the, what he really means, what Hugh says he means, and I agree with you, what he means is Barack Obama created the conditions that made it possible for ISIS to rise, right? That's what he means. That's what he means. There's only one problem. There was someone else who was calling in 2007 for a full-scale withdrawal from Iraq of all troops, which would have led to the rise of ISIS, and his name was Donald Trump. Here's Donald Trump circa 2007. How does the United States get out of this situation? Is there a, how is, do they is get there a way out? You know of how it? they get out? They get out. That's how they get out. Declare victory and leave. Because I'll tell you, this country is just going to get further bogged down. They're in a civil war over there, Wolf. There's nothing that we're going to be able to do with a civil war. They are in a major civil war, and it's going to go to Iran, and it's going to go to other countries. They are in the midst of a major civil war, and there's nothing. And by the way, we're keeping the lid on a little bit, but the day we leave anyway, it's all going to blow up. And Saddam Hussein will be a nice person compared to the man, and it will be a man, it will not be a woman, that we understand. People say, oh, gee, you didn't give the women a chance. It will be a man. <laughs> Compared to the person that takes over for Saddam about? Hussein, he will be considered a nice person. This guy will be the meanest, the worst guy, and he'll have one thing, one thing. He will hate America, and he'll use that to flame. So, I mean, this is a total catastrophe, and you might as well get out now because you're just wasting time. Okay, okay. 
There you have it. So this is the reason why Donald Trump couldn't just say that the conditions that were created for ISIS led to the rise of ISIS because Donald Trump was making the same case in 2007. We can all pretend that Donald Trump just randomly appeared on the scene, but he doesn't. He has a history, and that's the problem. Donald Trump isn't a blank slate. He may be blank in the head, but he's not He's not a blank slate by any stretch of the imagination. Okay, we have to cut off the Facebook live feed here. If you want to see the rest, go to dailywire.com, where everything is visible. Go to iTunes and SoundCloud and all the rest. <laughs> Okay, so here's so Donald Trump can't stop himself, right? He just can't stop himself, and it's very it's very frustrating. It's very irritating, I'm sure, to all the Trump supporters who are who are saying all of this. And the media don't need an excuse to go after Trump. Trump just gives them an excuse. Trump just gives them an excuse. You know, so so Trump, when he attacks the media, he's right. So here, for example, Donald Trump is attacking Don Lemon. He says that Don Lemon is dumb as a rock. Dan Bongino, you were fantastic in defending both the Second Amendment and me last night on CNN. Don Lemon is a lightweight, dumb as a rock. He spelled lightweight correctly this time and says that Don Lemon is dumb as a rock. Okay, and that's true. Here is, here's a little bit of CNN cutting off all the people who are unfriendly to Hillary. There's, there's, they've been doing it over and over and over. Anytime you mention anything bad about Hillary, CNN cuts it off. Even as she calls for criminal justice reform because of her support in the 1990s for anti-crime legislation that ultimately helped contribute to this era of mass incarceration that she now uh, speaks out uh, again. Uh, we just lost. Uh, we just lost Brianna Keeler. With some Trump supporters, um, let's play what they said. They've been duking people like that. They come out of. Out from under the rocks all the time around this time this year. It got nothing to do with Donald Trump. We're all Americans. I think we need to stop with all the racist stuff and the race being. Like me and my friend right here, we just met today. We was talking. You know, we got to stop with the racist stuff and, and this, that. we all Americans, man. And nobody paying David Duke no mind. Um, clearly, <laughs> let, let me just yeah. be clear here. Obviously, the majority of Donald Trump supporters are not African-American. I don't know how yeah. many African-Americans were in that that building, but that is one uh, person that uh, we have chosen to cut that sound from. Uh. You, you know that there was an entire okay, year and a half. We're not going to relitigate that. No, Amy, we're not going to relitigate that. You can't talk. make things up. Not if you're going to invent things, okay? You can say your I'm comments, not going say to invent your opinions. Things, but you the just FBI did. also you can't, said. Amy, nope, the FBI no, ma'am. No, ma'am. You cannot yes, invent FBI things. also ma'am, said no, that she has not you, turned over, she didn't turn over all the emails. No, ma'am. You cannot invent things. You cannot say things. You're putting out incredibly inflammatory information. So, I'm going to talk about Hillary Clinton, then bring Hillary Clinton's actions into it. Don't bring her husband's actions into it. bring Hillary Clinton's actions into it. Absolutely. She was given the choice between standing with a serial sexual abuser... All right, Kurt. Stop, 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 stop. That's not fair. That's not fair. That's not fair. Can we stop that, please? It is not fair. It is not fair. It is a low blow... It is the, yes, I want to end it. This, this is the bad. lowest of the low, and it has no, nothing to do with Hillary no. Clinton. And it's just it's a cheap shot me, that, can you please stop, can we stop, can we cut him off, please? Than, uh, Thank you. Thank you. We're done. Thank you. We'll be right back. I'm playing this all day. I mean, it goes on and on and on, right? I mean, every time somebody rips on Hillary Clinton, CNN or MSNBC cuts them off. So when Trump complains about the media bias, it's not false. It's not false. But that doesn't mean that Trump isn't stepping into it every step of the way. And again, that has to stop. Hillary Clinton is running a boring, stupid, plotting, robotic campaign. She's saying crazy left things. And none of it's getting covered because Trump is sucking all the oxygen out of the room. Now, the media are looking for him to do that, but you don't have to do it. You don't have to walk into a giant open field of, ma- of landmines and rakes and then decide to step on every object you can find. Like, at some point, you're going to have to just stop doing it. You're going to have to stop doing it. Now, what this has led to is a level of desperation inside some of the, the, the kind of more ardent Trump halls. So there, there, there's a couple different... You know, there are kind of a couple of different branches of, of the Trump voter. There are the people who I'm, I fully understand, I'm sympathetic to. These are the people who say, I'll hold my nose and I'll vote Trump. Yeah, he's a crap show. Yeah, he's a risk. But a risk is better than a certainty of Hillary Clinton. All right, right? This is Dennis Prager position. I get it. I, I understand. This is the Hugh Hewitt position, too. I totally understand. Then there are the people who are actively supporting Trump and did during the primaries and thought that he is the great God King who is going to save us all. Those people are starting to get desperate. I'm not hearing this so much from the from the kind of reluctant Trump supporters who understand why people like me say we're not going to vote Trump. Like I say, look, I'm just bringing you information. You make your own call. I'm not going to I'm not going to fault you at all if you want to vote Trump. I'm not going to fault you if you don't want to vote Trump. 
you're an adult, make your own decision. I'll bring you information. You'll decide for yourself whether you think the risks of a Trump presidency outweigh the risks of a Hillary Clinton presidency. And, the, and again, I can see it both ways. I really can. Maybe I'll change my mind at some point. But he, he, I, I don't have to reiterate this point again. The reasons why I think that it's okay not to vote for Donald Trump is, first of all, because I think that Donald Trump is going to pervert the conservative movement. I'm about to show you evidence of that. Second, because I think that if Trump loses and you just spent all your political credibility pushing a man who's said and done so many terrible things, you're sinking yourself for the next generation. If we, if we just ignore all of the bad things Trump does in order to vote for him, and then he loses by 10, you don't get victory and you don't get the next generation of voters because the next generation of voters hates Trump. Right? He's winning 9% of the under 30 vote, 1% of the black vote, and he's in negative numbers among women. Right? He's got a problem. And finally, you know, the final reason is you have to determine morally for yourself. There are two moral considerations, and they are in competition. One is the lesser of two evils arguments, which, again, I fully understand. And the second is, are you morally going to sign off on a man who's totally unpalatable as a human being? I mean, the man is not a good man. He's a bully. He's a, he's a braggart. He's a, he's a man who mistreats women. Uh, he's, he does all these things. We, we, don't, we don't have to rehash them. We understand he's a personally disreputable. He's a moral junkyard. But you can say the moral consideration is the effect on the country of Hillary's president. That'll be worse. I'll vote for him anyway. There's a separate moral consideration, and that is you have to determine whether the new standard for you voting always is just better than the Dem. Better than the Dem. If that's the new standard, then you pick Bill. Right? If that's the new standard, then Barack Obama might be better than Hillary Clinton. Or Hillary might be better than Obama. Maybe we just picked the most successful Dem who's not going to do as much damage. You get into some real dicey territory. So in other words, this is a complex moral problem. It's not, it's not easy. Anybody who claims that this is easy, the never-Trumpers claiming, oh, it's easy. I just wake up in the morning and I know. Screw it. Not, no. It's not easy. And the people on the other side say, oh, it's an easy call. I don't even understand this. It's not that easy, gang. It's not that easy. The people who try to make it easy are the people who are getting desperate right now. And those people are saying that it is immoral, immoral, not to back Donald Trump. So Sean Hannity was on with Laura Ingram, and, uh, and both Hannity and Ingram decided that it was worthwhile to go off. Like, like it's going to convince people like me and people who doubt Trump if you just yell at us and tell us that we're bad people if we don't vote for Trump. Here's Sean Hannity doing that last night. Is it time now for Republicans who refuse to endorse Donald Trump? Are they now sabotaging his campaign? Because if they continue to do what they're doing and Hillary Clinton wins, will they be responsible for supporting Hillary Clinton's radical left-wing agenda? Now, these are the people I'm talking about. Time to name names. Bill Kristol, former Governor Mitt Romney, Susan, Susan Collins, Jeb Bush, Ted Cruz, Ben Sass, Lindsey Graham, Meg Whitman, and many, many others. Now. If they keep up their stubborn, their stupid game and continue to lick their wounds, well, this is what they will be responsible for, just to give a few examples. Get my point? All you stubborn Republicans out there, Hillary Clinton, well, she's proven she does not have the character. She does not have the temperament to be the so, president. It's ours. It's all those people's fault. So it's not Sean Hannity's fault for the entire primary season gazing lovingly at Donald Trump. That's not Sean Hannity's fault for pushing him above the other candidates. And I know Sean has this shtick where he says that he treats everybody equally during the primaries. That's, that's not particularly true. He, he treated Trump with kid gloves during the primaries. Everybody was commenting on it. Everybody noticed it. He's obviously good friends with Donald Trump. That's okay. That's fine. He's allowed to be. But to blame us now for the guy that you picked, the guy that you wanted to be president of the United States, the one who you said was going to be able to move on without the support of conservatives, you know, that, that, that seems a little bit disingenuous. Also, I have to point out here that all the people saying that those who won't vote Trump are responsible for Trump failing, I don't recall four years ago when they were saying that about the current Trump supporters. What I recall is them saying now, look at Donald Trump. He's bringing in all these new voters from nowhere. Where was the blame for those people for not showing up in 2012? Where was it? If they were Trump voters and they were really supposed to be loyal to the principles Sean Hannity likes, why didn't they show up in 2012 and vote for Romney? But I don't remember an iota of recrimination from Sean Hannity to those new voters that Trump is supposedly bringing in. And uh, this, this is disingenuous, but it, it, gets, it gets worse. So Sean is blaming everybody except himself and except the people who pushed Trump for the nomination, even though there have been people warning since last year that if Trump is the nominee, this is going to be a disaster area. Laura Ingram's even worse. So Laura Ingram, who actually spoke at the Republican National Convention, here is Ingram telling conservatives that they're bad people. They're not just wrong. They're not just responsible for Hillary. But like, again, it's so silly. You're, you picked Trump in the primaries. OK, it's on you. Take responsibility. If Cruz had won and then he lost, that would be on me because I voted for him and I pushed him in the primaries. Okay, Laura Ingram, though, she goes even further. She says, you're legitimately an immoral human being if you don't back 
a guy who brags about his adultery, says that he won't repent before God, backs virtually all of the Democratic agenda before one audience or another, and is slightly to the right of Hillary Clinton on some issues and slightly to her left on others. If you don't support that guy, you're a bad human being, according to Laura Ingram. And they want to supposedly feel like cleansed of the sin of voting for Donald Trump. And you laid out, you know, with, with excruciating detail, just you know, a few of the reasons why Hillary Clinton would be disastrous for this country. And I would make the argument, uh, I think, very persuasively as well, Sean, that if you call yourself a conservative and a Republican, it's actually immoral not to vote for Donald Trump, if only for the reason of the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court will outlive us. This, this, this generation of jurists, and it's a fact. So this argument we get all the time, right? It's immoral because you're handing the Supreme Court over to Hillary. As I've expressed, I think the Supreme Court is gone already because I don't think that Donald Trump, I don't think Donald Trump is going to nominate a conservative for the Supreme Court. Also, I don't think he's going to win, so it's a moot point anyway. So just take my... I'm willing to entertain the counterfactual. Trump wins. He's great. I apologize. My bad. If Trump loses, and he loses badly, and we now have to live off the legacy of Trump, right? Every time somebody asks us, for the rest of our lives, every time somebody says, you know, you say that you like black people, you say that you like Hispanic people, you say that you're not anti-woman, where were you when Donald Trump was, was going soft on the KKK? You know, there are costs to this. There are costs to this. This moral calculation is not quite as simplistic as Laura Ingram would like to make it, or Hugh Hewitt, or Dennis Prager. You know, it's worse with, 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 with Ingram, for sure. I think that Dennis acknowledges, to some degree, I think Hugh does too, acknowledges to some degree the moral complexity of the question. But to pretend that this is an easy call on either side, I acknowledge that it's a, a difficult call on my side. Right? I get up every morning and I think to myself, am I doing the wrong thing? And if you're not doing this in, that elect in this election cycle, you're not thinking through the issues clearly. So all I would recommend is give ear to the other side. Listen to what they're saying. I know what a terrible, horrible President Hillary is going to be. She's going to she's going to destroy the country. I just hope that the, I just think the country may already be destroyed. And the only hope to replace or to restore what's good about the country is a vibrant conservative movement that has not been converted to Trump's brand of soft Democrat, big government nationalist, nationalist kind of ethno nationalism. All right, so time for some things I like, things I hate, and then the mailbag. So things I like when doing sci-fi movies all week. This one is, of course, a classic, um, but it's still, it's amazing. It's, it's one of these movies that's so quoted that, it, that people think it's overrated, and it's actually underrated as a film. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Everybody quotes this film all the time, but very few people apparently have seen it beginning to end. Everybody always, you know, kind of uses the catchphrases, right? You've got, you got... You have James T. Kirk, William Shatner in full William Shatner mode, screaming at the camera, Khan! Right? I mean, you see it all the time, especially when Donald Trump is attacking the Khan family. You see it on Twitter, Khan! But, uh, but here is, you know, here's a clip from, from Star Trek Two. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. No. No, you can't get away from hell's heart. I stab at thee. For hate's sake, I spit my last breath at thee. I love it. It's so it's so over the top and wonderful. And it's and if, first of all, he's quoting Moby Dick, which is one of my favorite books. So that's always great. Uh, it's 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 a terrific movie. It really holds together well. The score is great. Jerry Goldsmith. It's it's a really really good movie. Okay, things I hate. Trevor Noah was going after Donald Trump. Trevor Noah is the worst comic in the history of comedy. He's actually redefined comedy as tragedy. He he is legitimately an untalented, hacky, ridiculous man. Who, because he has, I think he's, is he from South Africa? I think he's from South Africa. It's a South African accent. So that makes him think that he's sophisticated and everybody, it's, it's like John Oliver on HBO. He has the British accent, so people think he's smarter than he is. The problem is for Trevor Noah, it doesn't work because he says so many stupid things. So here's Trevor Noah going after Donald Trump. I'm not buying this. I believe Donald Trump was making a joke. Yeah. And then because of the backlash, his team has tried to play it off as something else. But I know a joke when I see one. More importantly, I know a stand-up comedian when I see one. <laughs> yeah, because I'm a stand-up comedian. Donald Trump is a stand-up comedian. <laughs> you see it every single time he's on the stage. He riffs, he roasts, you know, does some impersonations. He's a stand-up comedian. It's just you've never looked at it that way before. I'm not eating Oreos anymore, you know that. But neither is Chris. You're not eating Oreos anymore. Anthony Weiner, you know the little bing bing bing, bum bum. 
I never attack him on his look, and believe me, there's plenty of subject matter right there. It moves this way. It moves that way. What would you want your Secret Service code name to be? Humble. <laughs> Here's the problem with Rubio. When you sweat that much, the guy walks in and he's soaking wet and sweating. Hello? Hello? Can I have some water? It's Rubio! You see? You see? He's a comedian. He's a stand-up comedian. We were all spending so much time focusing on his racism and sexism and xenophobia and threats to democracy that we missed all the jokes. We need to put him away. We need to put him away in some underground, windowless room. Yeah. Right? That's what we need to do. Stop there. So, so, so we got Trevor Noah, and he's saying that Trump is a comedian. This is true. Trump is an entertainer. Here's the problem. He's ripping on Trump being an entertainer playing at politics. Do you own a mirror? Do you own a mirror? Okay, this is what Comedy Central has become. Jon Stewart used to do this, too. Half of the Trevor Noah jokes are not jokes. Half of Trevor Noah's jokes are political statements about people on the right, or supposedly on the right, and then he gazes weirdly into camera. He's not even good at it. Jon Stewart was good at it. He'd make the funny face of the... Right, and then everybody would laugh. He'd have his, his audience of trained jackals laughing in the background. That, that's exactly what, what Trevor Noah does too. He's just not good at it. That this is what you want. You wonder why Trump has gone where Trump has gone. Trump has gone where he's gone because of John Stewart and Trevor Noah and John Oliver and all of these people who you read the headlines. John Oliver destroys X. Right, Trevor Noah destroys X. That's not what comedy is about, right? I mean, presumably comedy is about actually being funny. But they're treating them the same way they would treat me in a debate with Piers Morgan, right? If you go online, you'll see Ben Shapiro destroys Piers Morgan on gun control. What you'll see is Trevor Noah destroys Donald Trump on racism. Okay, yeah, but I'm a political guy, right? I'm not a comedian. He's a comedian. He's not a political guy, but you can't tell the difference anymore. And that's how you end up with politicians who are comedians and comedians who are politicians and Al Franken in the Senate. That's how you end up with that. Okay, uh, final thing that I hate. So Hillary Clinton... Hillary Clinton is now pitching Mormon voters in a Utah newspaper. She wrote an op-ed on Wednesday in the Mormon, the LDS-owned newspaper, the Deseret News. And it's this whole thing about how she loves religious freedom. And she writes, and I can't do a Hillary Clinton impersonation because I have human DNA. She writes, I'm running for president to make sure our country continues to live up to our founding principles. <laughs> Oh, she's not joking. She says, those timeless ideas teach us that we're stronger together when we work in unison to solve our problems, no matter what we look like. And then she gets to this. I've been fighting to defend religious freedom for years. No, you haven't, you lying, cackling old crone. No, you haven't. She says that she stood up for the rights of religious minorities around the world, like Coptic Christians in Egypt. How about Christians in Syria? You've been standing up for them? Missed that part. The Yazidi have been having some trouble. You may have noticed the Jews in that part of the world having a little bit of trouble. Missed that. Also missed the part where you're not trying to force bakers who are religious to bake cakes for gay weddings. Missed the part where you don't believe that religious schools should be forced to pay the insurance programs of gay couples. Missed all of that. I love that she, she writes this whole thing pretending that she's pro-religious liberty. She's not pro-religious liberty. She's not pro-religious liberty. It's, it's absurd. She says, when it comes to religion, we strive to be accepting of everyone around us. That's because we need to be. And we often know it takes a village or a ward working together to build the change we hope to see. Let's be honest, there's a lot we need to accomplish. And then she lists off a bunch of her priorities. This is nonsense. She doesn't care about religious liberty. The proof is that her Democratic Party in the state of California just tried to pass a bill that would have basically outlawed religious schools in the state of California by removing them from the umbrella of, uh, of an exception to anti-discrimination law. They would have forced my religious Jewish day school to accept homosexual activity on campus, to accept two boys wanting to go to school dances together, this kind of stuff. Right? That, that's what Hillary Clinton wants out of life. She doesn't believe in religious liberty. She doesn't believe in First Amendment liberty. She certainly doesn't believe in Second Amendment liberty. Hillary Clinton is a real threat to freedom. The problem is there are no good solutions. As long as we're doing Star Trek, we have a Kobayashi Maru problem here, and there is no way out, okay? There is no trick that James T. Kirk can use to reprogram the computers. We have to, the, there is no way out but through. We have to go right through this utter tornado of crap that we've created for ourselves. Uh, it's, it's, it's no fun. A final thing, final thing that I hate. I lied. One more. Donald Trump is supposed to want to win this election, right? I was under the impression that he wanted to win this election. Um, here is Donald Trump this morning talking about this election cycle. All I do is tell the truth. I'm a truth teller. All I do is tell the truth. And if at the end of 90 days 
I've fallen short because I'm somewhat politically correct, even though I'm supposed to be the smart one and even though I'm supposed to have a lot of good ideas. It's okay. You know, I go back to a, a very good way of life. It's not what I'm looking to do. I think we're going to have a victory, uh, but we'll see. Okay, so that's that's the voice of a man who's already given up on life, right there. Right? I mean, that's the, when when he says, you know, if I go, if I lose, then we'll go back to that. We'll go back home to the farm. He's already suggesting that, that, like, this is the point in races where everybody says they're going to win. I mean, have you ever seen a political press conference on the day of the election? There'll be somebody will be down 15 points in the polls, and they still want people to go out and vote, and they'll say, "Yeah, I'm going to win today. I'm going to win today." Trump. It's now August. What's the date today? August 11th. And Donald Trump is still going out. He's already going out there three months in advance of the election and saying, well, yeah, I may lose. But the good news is I'm super duper rich. Okay, that's not good news for any of his supporters. All right, mailbag time. Andrew writes, I feel those saying we need to lie for Trump are essentially leftists themselves. Is it not the tactic of the left that if you lie for the right reasons, it's justified, the ends justify the means? I mean, I agree with that. I think that, that the idea that you have to make excuses for Donald Trump's stupid, that when Donald Trump says things and your first reaction is, yeah, well, it's not that bad, as opposed to, no, it's really bad. He's still better than Hillary because Hillary's a corrupt old crone, but he, like, one of those is okay, one of those is not. You don't have to lie about your man. If your man is not the, the absolute disaster area that Donald Trump is, then you don't have to lie about him. Right? I didn't support Mitt Romney in the primaries in 2012. I didn't. I thought that Mitt Romney was too far to the left. He was the only man in America who'd created Obamacare via Romneycare. He was very soft on same-sex marriage when he was the governor of Massachusetts. There are a lot of holes in his he raised taxes in Massachusetts. There are a lot of holes in Mitt Romney's record. And I was not a Romney fan in the primaries. And then I said, okay, well, I don't have to lie about his record. I'll continue to hit him on Romneycare. I'll continue to hit him on all these areas where he's not conservative enough, but I can pull the trigger for him in good conscience. If you're doing that for Trump right now, fine, more power to you. But don't lie about your man. Daniel writes, would you rather do an episode of your show topless or say one genuinely nice thing about Hillary Clinton? Well, for your sake, you should hope that I would rather do an episode of the show Topless because I'm a huge stud. It's the one thing that people don't know about me is that I work out pretty much every day and underneath this, this nerdy exterior lies the body of a Greek god. I am ripped, gang. Christian writes, what's your take on Julian Assange's comments <laughs> regarding the DNC staffer Seth Rich and the rumor he was intending to leak DNC staff emails to the FBI when he was shot dead in an attempted robbery? Well, I, I don't believe anything Julian Assange has to say until he provides evidence of it, because Julian Assange is not somebody who has the America, America's interest at heart. He's obviously very closely tied to the Russian government as well. My, tens, my, you know, my feeling about assassinations is pretty simple. When people are assassinated, typically we all know about it. Secret assassinations are relatively rare. Usually when someone's assassinated, it's like Leon Trotsky gets an ice pick through the eyeball because it's a warning to all the other Trotskyites. Right? When JFK gets shot, he gets shot in front of the entire city of Dallas. When, when people are assassinated, pretty much everybody knows about it. So the idea that, that this guy was shot on a dark street, it's something out of House of Cards, and it's the reason I don't like watching shows like House of Cards, because politics is dramatic and annoying enough as it is. You don't actually need to ratchet it up to the next level in order to make it exciting. Uh, Todd writes, Hi, Ben. The Trump campaign recently sent out an email stating if you donate three bucks, you'll be entered to win a trip to New York City to meet with the Trump team and discuss opinions on the campaign. If you won, what would your message be to Donald Trump? Oh, well... Okay, if I, if I had to discuss opinions on the campaign, my first opinion would be drop out right now and just let Mike Pence take your slot. But since that's not going to happen, my advice to Donald Trump would be get on teleprompter, stay on teleprompter, never get off of teleprompter, surround yourself with good people, and show that you're taking their advice repeatedly. Don't make big boo-boos. If you do make big boo-boos, immediately acknowledge the boo-boo and move on. That would be the advice. And none of that's very tough, but he's not going to do any of those things. Ricardo writes, Hello, future President Shapiro. Big fan. I just wanted to ask you how regular Americans can fight back against the left and alt-right people and take back the country, make it like it used to be somewhat, because I can't sit back anymore and watch this madness. Thank you for everything you do. Well, first of all, sign up for our email list, the Ben Shapiro email list. Uh, you can do that at Daily Wire. We have an email list. You can also do it um, by emailing me at bshapiro at dailywire.com, and we'll add you to our email list that goes out every day. At the bottom of the email every day, or virtually every day, is an action item, something you can do to make the country a better place. And we try to give people things to do because everybody is very frustrated at this point. Kevin writes, hey, Ben, newly subscribed. Hopefully that makes your day. It does. Thank you for subscribing. Eight bucks a month, gang, and you too can be part of the vaunted mailbag. Quick question. With Hillary's email scandal still unraveling, more details coming out every week, what is the deed that really hurts her? What previous act that comes to light will finally be recognized by the mainstream media as corrupt or treasonous? Nothing. The answer is nothing. 
There will be nothing that will be recognized as corrupt or treasonous by the mainstream media. It's obvious already that she's been deeply corrupt and that she's put America's national security at risk. They don't care. The only thing that would attach to Hillary Clinton at this point is, one, if she were caught on tape saying the N-word, or two, if she were involved in some sort of deep-seated sex scandal. Those are the only two things that could actually hurt Hillary Clinton at this point. Both are possible, but, uh, but you know, we have no evidence of either yet. So, okay. John writes, hi, Ben. We've been praying for Lindsay. Hope her mother and family are doing well. Thanks for asking. Uh, we will give you the updates on Lindsay as she, as she sort of makes them public. But yeah, continued prayers for Lindsay and her mom. Always appreciated. My question is about college football. With your recent experience being banned from DePaul as the result of SJWs trying to silence opposing viewpoint, I'm wondering what your opinion is on the letter-writing campaign initiated by LGBT groups to try to strong-arm the Big 12 into not inviting BYU because of their stance on traditional marriage. It seems to me this is hypocritical. Of course this is hypocritical. Of course it's hypocritical. And again, trying to kick all of the religious schools sort of out of the pantheon of decent schools, this is something the left wants to do. Their goal is to make pornography public and religion private. That's the goal of the left. Final one. Ricardo writes, can we have economic conservatism without social conservatism? Also, Edge of Tomorrow is a great movie. Yes. Yes, Edge of Tomorrow is a great movie. Uh, economic conservatism without social conservatism, you can ideologically. It's very difficult practically because without a socially moral people, without a biblically moral people, forget biblically moral, just a basically moral people along Judeo-Christian lines, it's very difficult to have an economically conservative country because people tend to do bad things and then want other people to pay for them. And if you're immoral, you have no problem taking other people's stuff because you made a mistake in your life. Okay, final, sorry, one more question because this one is, is I think, uh, important. Jared writes, hey, Ben, I need some advice. My cousin, she just turned 18, has decided she is no longer a girl, but she is a boy. She's even doing shots of testosterone. I feel like she just wants to try and turn herself into Kurt Cobain. Any advice on what to do with the situation? Thanks for your time. Jared, my heart goes out to you. My heart goes out to your cousin. I feel terrible for your cousin. Obviously, she's suffering. Obviously, she's, she's got a mental illness. I mean, this is a mental illness. If you think that you're a boy and you're actually a girl and you're mutilating your body in order to achieve that, I feel awful for you. All I would say is that if you have any input at all, say to her, you're a beautiful person. You don't have to change who you are physically in order to accommodate how you feel. You know, you, you can make your own choices in life, but mutilating your body, making decisions that are going to not make your life any better in the long run, that are going to turn you into something that you're not, if you really feel comfortable with yourself, then you should be comfortable enough to, to be who you are without chopping off body parts or taking injections uh, or any of the rest of it. I would urge her to get treatment, I mean, it's, it's, it's a brutal situation. I mean, as somebody who's had mentally ill people in my family, it's a, it's a horrifying, difficult situation. And all I can say is I pray for you, I pray for her, and, um, and you know, really urge her to, to get some compassionate care, not politically driven care that suggests that she can magically transform herself into a man, because she can't. I'm sorry, she can't. And there's just a reality to it. And the suicide rates prove it. It's not going to help her. It's just going to make her miserable, because she already obviously has, has serious issues that need to be dealt with. I'm Ben Shapiro. We'll be back next week with more. Try not to ruin things while I'm gone, at least more than you've ruined them already. <laughs> we'll be back, and uh, we'll see you next week. Ben Shapiro, Ben Shapiro Show. Did you know that mRNA vaccines are approved for use in pigs in the United States? Not to mention 85% of the beef sold in your local grocery store is imported. In fact, over 5 billion pounds of meat was imported just last year. There's so much mystery surrounding our meat, which is why I'm so grateful for my Good Rancher subscription. I know that I don't have to worry about imported meat or unknown vaccines in the food that I feed my family. Good Ranchers is saying mRNO to mRNA by offering a free 10-pound Easter ham with any subscription. Unlike the pork from the grocery store, Good Ranchers ham is guaranteed 100% free from mRNA vaccines. This is a $119 value, absolutely free with code DAILYWIRE. Go to GoodRanchers.com and say MRNO to MRNA by subscribing today. You have a right to know exactly what's in your food, and Good Ranchers is dedicated to protecting that right and providing your family with the best meat in America, free from any unknown and potentially harmful additives. Go to GoodRanchers.com and subscribe to any of their boxes and use code DAILYWIRE at checkout. Every subscription will come with a free Heritage Ham, $25 off, and Good Ranchers' lifetime quality commitment. That's GoodRanchers.com, code DAILYWIRE.